0: Safety, dependability, and power. Chevy Silverado isn't happy unless the work is hard and the day is long. No wonder Silverado is America's number one best-selling retail pickup truck. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. Okay, ready to go? Instrument feels a little hoarse today. Been doing a lot of talking and screaming. Preparing for a play, so I've got to be a little... A Little tight with the uh, with the instrument. <laughs> All right, are we ready to go? Yeah, we're at uh, another milestone, episode three ten. Anything with a five or a zero—that's always a big deal, right? Okay, here we go. Just put it in the books. I'll give you the three S's and I'll give you the countdown. And give you the music. I'll give you a podcast. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is. Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNradio.com. And if you like what you hear, don't forget it. We're there all the time, wherever you go. Wherever you go for a podcast, we are there. But don't forget, listening to a podcast is not your own responsibility if you're an Elton Jim fan. No, no. You've got to get out there and spread the word, so send a link, send a message, tell your friends, tell anybody who listens to a podcast at your favorite podcast, is Elton Jim's Captain podcasting? and it should be theirs, too. Your loyalty and devotion. Oh, I don't know what to say. Except, if you like what you hear, go to WGNRadio.com, hit the prompt for this podcast, and you will find all previous, there should be, 309 previous podcasts. Can there really be that many? Have I really been talking about 310 topics? Well, no. I've talked about 309 topics thus far. But in another hour, I will be able to say that I've talked about 310 topics. So welcome to episode 310. So I have to share this with you because uh, it really is one of the most <laughs> exhilarating uh, experiences that I've had in a long time. And yeah, that's that's quite a word, isn't it? Exhilarating? Yeah, but I, that's what I would use. That's the word I would use to describe this. It was, I mean, you know, we, we use amazing a lot. You're hearing the word amazing a lot. And I know that I fall into that trap too. Not everything is amazing, but it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty good word and it certainly connotes the excitement and specialness of, of, of something that you're describing. So amazing is a pretty good word and I do realize that I use it as a crutch sometimes, but it's a good word and it's really the first one that comes to my mind uh, when I'm describing that something that is extraordinary if you will. And when did we ever start doing that? Do you hear people say extraordinary or is it extraordinary? It's one word. Ah, we can talk about linguistics and semantics later. <laughs> Let me just say I was blown away. How's that? And you say, "Jim, what were you blown away by? What is this exhilarating experience? What is this amazing experience that you you have um you have undertaken or 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 has or has, has been bestowed on you or that you have experienced what 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 is it well i'll tell you it's interesting um because <laughs> uh, i i don't think you can experience this unless you get older and so how many times is actually getting older something to celebrate <laughs> I know we always have birthdays, and we celebrate our birthday, and, I mean, the goal is to have as many birthdays as you can, right? Isn't that the goal? That's something that you do want to gather. You want to collect. You want to hoard. You want to hoard birthdays. (laughs) We all want to hoard birthdays. We'd love to have at least 85, and these days, it's not, as I said a couple of podcasts ago, maybe even the last one, it's not too crazy to... um, to see people that are living to 100 these days. So the goal, I think, is to at least hoard 100 birthdays. That's my goal. If I have to be a hoarder, the one thing I want to hoard is birthdays. <laughs> That's what I want to hoard. But, um, but this experience is a result of nothing else but getting old, and then, thanks to the, and I was just going to say amazing, and I caught myself. See, that's what I mean about a crutch. Something called the verbal acne, which I like that phrase. Um, you don't want to get too used to saying one word or one phrase all the time. You always want to try to mix things up, especially today. If you watch television, I was watching, a, I was watching one of the morning shows, and, and I didn't have the um, I was at the health club, and they didn't have the the volume on, but they had the, the big screen on. And, and so they had the closed caption running. And when you see a transcript, the written words of when either you talk or when you see someone else talk, and you see those written words, wow, You you really can see how people rely on catchphrases or phrases that are placeholders to not have silence, but we will do when we speak, especially if we're on the radio or on television or something like that, or in a a speech where I think the biggest fear is silence, right? Now I embrace silence. Now you might say, Jim, I never hear silence. You, I mean, you know, you're talking for an hour and, and something here, an hour and change, and you're never stopping. <laughs> which is, I guess, uh, which they call the gift of gab. Which is why I decided to pursue this as a career. I said when I was in grammar school, I always got very good grades in in in, in grammar school and in high school, and, and all throughout my career. But certainly in grammar school and in high school, your behavior is much more uh, critiqued and graded. Isn't that crazy? Your, Your behavior, your personality is graded in those early years in school. Not so much in college. College, it's like, well, you are who you are, right? You just get your grades. They come to you. They send them to you. And then... It's just grades. But those early years, at least um, when I was going to grammar school and high school, there not only were the grades on the report cards, but then there was this other section at the bottom. Do you remember that on your report card? At least that's what we had. You had your grades at the top with the list of all your subjects and the grades that you had. And at the bottom, um, I don't remember what the, 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 uh, the category was. I don't know if it was you know, personality, or I, I don't remember what it was, or behavior, I'm not sure, but there were, there was areas that either on some of the report cards, they had check marks, like, oh, you know, he's, you know, uh, you know, get, you know, and then there are good things and bad things. It's not all bad, but there were check marks, uh, you know, participates, you know, helps others, you know, these, these other ancillary things that, we're we're nice to get feedback. Your teacher is observing you, how you are not only as a intellectual specimen, but also as a social specimen, and especially, you know, early on in in your in your life, as you begin to go to school and deal with other people and and deal with um, events. I don't know how much psychology was involved in all this. I don't know how how trained. <laughs> My grammar school or high school teachers were, but they were certainly making observations, and um, and so you would get the and then you know and then you know and there were good things and bad things as I said before things to work on. There was always these little check marks, little boxes that the teachers can check if you did or you didn't do these these kind of social types of things. That I guess were once again this was an evaluation on your. The complete picture, intellectually and socially, which is nice. But once again, I don't know how. In the in the grand scope of things, I don't know if all my grammar school and high school teachers were were schooled on and were necessarily, uh, you know, psychologists or, psychi- or psychiatrists. I don't know if teachers do take, I'm sure ta- teachers take some kind of psychology classes, but there's. I don't know if, 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 if they, were, they were trained in it. But as I said, they were making observations, and, you know, you can take those observations for what they're worth. And uh, I would always get very good grades, um, and I would always get other nice little things like this in the bottom, you know, helps others, blah, 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 that stuff, you know. Participates, but I would always get talks too much. <laughs> Inevitably, now I never viewed that as a uh, as a detriment, but maybe it was, and maybe it still is. I don't know. I know that um, you know, I can rub people the wrong way. Maybe I'm too verbose. I don't know, but all I know is if you're going to get into uh, a profession where talking is uh, is the main activity, then I think it helps. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, I always got good grades, but I also got that, that, that little, you know, there was always that, that other side. And it wasn't necessarily a, a bad thing, but they were like, you know, I mean, I wasn't like I was, uh, you know, I wasn't obnoxious, but, you know, I would, Always be looking to talk to other people. And I think that comes back to the... I've talked about this before. I think it comes back to my my situation that I was an only child. And so I was really excited. I liked going to school. I liked being in social situations because when I was home, I was basically by myself. I was certainly with my parents, but, you know, as you're a kid, you you don't want to hang out with your parents all the time, right? So a lot of my home time was was occupying myself, which I was more than capable of doing and enjoy it. And to this day, decades later, I can be alone because I have been. There's some people that can't be alone and they came from big families and they're always used to something going on and somebody being around. And then when they get alone, they need to be out and and, and they need to be around people. I, I have that same need. Because I was alone as an only child, but at the same time, uh, I don't have that need constantly because, once again, having been an only child, I did have to find ways to preoccupy myself. So I I have, I have enjoy being social, but I don't need to be. I, I don't have to be around people all the time. But at the same time, uh, I do seek it out and I do enjoy it. So, who knows? But uh but yeah, that was always kind of an interesting part of uh, of my report card. Once again, not sure how I ever got on the report card um tangent and uh, that, let me see. I'm looking at my you know very very uh very scripted show here. <laughs> it's not anywhere in my on my script. <laughs> but that's why we love this podcast. We never know where it's going to go and what we're going to talk about. But I will find my way back. Find me my bet. Ba- what how did that song go? Find your way back to a heart. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So this experience that I am going through now um only comes with growing old, and thankfully comes from the. Technology, the baffling, impressive, head-scratching, grateful medical technology. Uh, I've talked about this during COVID. Uh, I give uh, medical workers and the medical profession, I know there's a lot of controversy about it, but ultimately I think there are really good, smart caring people who want to help others. And yes, that even includes those companies that make drugs and machines and whatever it does to help us combat disease and aging and the disintegration and deterioration of these bodies that we have. Yes, there's money to be made, and I'm sure that money is a, is a motivating factor, but where would you be without some of the medications that you take or some of the, the machines that we have? I know those come at a high price, but isn't the high price life? So I am pro-medical profession. And I don't have anybody in the medical profession in my family. I'm not trying to to um you know make some uh, under under the table uh, you know endorsements here because I've got some vested interest. No, I don't I don't I don't have any doctors in my family. But I do have respect for them and I and I Put my my put my trust in doctors, and especially during this pandemic, I certainly have. And certainly, as the years have gone on, and I've gotten older, and I've had to go to more doctors for different things. Thankfully, nothing serious. Um, but uh, as I said before, what I'm when I'm when, when I've been following during COVID, and what I follow here is. Even um, especially with this mask mandate. And I don't want to get into this on uh, a heavy, heavy side, but just very briefly, just to let you know where I stand on that. Uh, I'm still wearing my, my mask, still wearing it. When I go to the store, when I go out, still wearing my mask. Told you I was going to wear my mask for at least five years. Probably will wear it for longer than that. When I go into big social situations, will even I've, I'm double boosted now, the original two shots got my second booster i trust medicine it is there to help us i don't look at it as an evil force i take a, i take some medication for different for different kind of conditions and stuff and i know it makes me feel good it makes me it keeps me going on here so uh you know, I have blood pressure medication and things like that. I could tell the difference. So I'm pro-medicine. And in terms of these mask mandates, real quick, I'm just telling you. Uh, yeah, I know that a judge ruled that we don't need to wear masks in public places anymore. But uh, as I've used the analogy in the past, when I've got a plumbing problem, I don't call a carpenter. When I've got an electrician problem, I don't call a plumber. And so when I've got a medical issue, I don't call a judge and I don't call a lawyer. I follow the advice of a professional, of a, of a, of a doctor. And while there is a lot of political pressure, I still view COVID as a public health issue, not as a human rights issue. Not as a political issue. So that's where I stand on that. You can fight me or not, but. And I've been to places now, especially now. I mean, everybody's just gone, you know, so lax with masks. There's no. Nobody's even thinking about masks. And I've been to some places. I, I traveled recently and wore my mask in the airport, on the plane, and walking around different cities. And. Some of these cities, especially in the Midwest, a little more conservative, where i I really did not i think I was the only person in you know in a five hundred thousand you know or two hundred thousand three hundred thousand population city wearing a mask that 's how it felt. I was walking around the streets i didn 't see one person with a mask and is and, and I got looks nobody. Nobody was overtly rude to me. No one said anything to me. Nobody looked at me and shrugged or no one looked at me and shook their heads. But they kind of looked at me like, w- w- what are you doing? I, there was a, a perplexed look or, a, or just a, what? Like, well, wh- wh- why are you wearing a mask? But I don't care. Um, even though I've had COVID, and I've got two boosters. I don't want to get it, and I don't want to get it again. So, anyway, so I've, I'm following the science, and uh, I would rather take the advice of um, of a health professional that's been working in infectious diseases for more than forty years than a 33 year old judge. I'm not sure if the judge is as uh, qualified to rule on health issues maybe rights issues legal issues certainly but i don't see wearing a mask being a social issue or a political issue or a legal issue i look at it as being a health issue so i'm going with the doctors on this one folks and i'm going with the doctors uh in a lot of ways i believe the majority of doctors are dedicated to and work for the health of their patients, at least the doctors that I try to find and, and deal with me. So I respect the white coat, <laughs> which is what I want to talk about today. So I have always had excellent vision from when I can remember always had excellent vision, could see miles away, always prided myself, never wore glasses in in grammar school or high school or college, so never was, um, you know, I I can imagine, I understand that that for many people, especially several years ago, now glasses aren't as, uh, don't have the social stigma as they used to, but there was a time, especially, you know, 30, 40 years ago when you were in grammar school and, you know, all of a sudden you were going to school one day and all of a sudden... You see somebody, and they've got glasses on. You know the four eyes thing. You don't hear that much anymore. Glasses have really evolved. They're they become fashion statements, and uh, and so it's not like something to be made fun of, or you're a nerd. And, and and once again, the nerds run the rule the world now. So glasses have certainly taken on a different a different. Um, a different prominence in our society because as the nerds and I don't know why I don't know why bad eyesight always is associated with nerds but it is right Uh, you know I don't even know what a nerd is anymore to be honest with you because there's nerds and they're on covers of magazines and they're they're billionaires so I don't even know what a nerd is anymore I don't know if that word is 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 past its its usefulness But uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, Wearing glasses was always looked at as, as, uh, as a weakness in many ways. And now I think that has gone, and I'm glad. Now, being an Elton John fan, ironically, I never needed to wear glasses, which, of course, bugged me because one of my idols wore these cool glasses all the time. So even though I never needed glasses, I would wear glasses and still do. And they were sunglasses or they were clear glasses many times. I like them as a fashion statement. i certainly, there's no question, emulating Elton John, no question about that. But then if you look around, Elton certainly helped populate the, or make popular the 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 wearing of glasses and he certainly has now he he's he's had his own eyewear with you know, in conjunction with Walmart and Sam's Club that will help to benefit benefit his uh, his AIDS foundation and he's had some glass uh, eyeglass um collections in the past too but this is a really a massive kind of mass appeal kind of thing much more affordable than some of the other ones he used to have but there's no question that he helped popularize, popular popularize the uh, glasses, but we've seen that throughout history, right? I mean, Buddy Holly, you know, especially in the pop culture. Benjamin Franklin invented the bifocals, right? We've always needed help with our eyes. Many people. So the irony is that I never needed glasses. But I always liked wearing glasses. And then... And I can, and I really can pinpoint this. Now, if you've worn glasses for most of your life, or if maybe if you've, you know, as time goes on, and, and as you get older, you, we all will realize this. If you're in your 30s, just hold on; it'll happen to you. But when you get into your 40s and 50s, you will realize when you're starting to look at a magazine or a newspaper or something, um, things look a little fuzzy. No, and so we all use these readers. They used to be called cheaters. People still call them cheaters. Now they're called readers. There's little magnifying—I remember <laughs> before they were popularized. Now, once again, you know the, the the whole eyeglass industry has changed dramatically in the last thirty years, even the last twenty years. And these readers, as we all know, were these cheap glasses that would you would wear and uh, you mostly was older people and they would wear around the, 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 the tip of their nose. They didn't they weren't even full glasses, they were just worn on the tip of your nose so when you look down they would magnify. And they're basically magnifying glasses, right? Like like Sherlock Holmes magnifying glass, only they were in the shape of lenses. I remember one time um, when I was a freshman in high school, um, I was on the football team and, and I gave the a speech to recap the season in our annual banquet and uh, and as a as a prop as a joke, I mean here I was, right 13 or 14 years old, and I, I had my papers like I was reading a speech, which I wasn't, but once again, always a performer, right. So I had I'm always, I always believe in props, visuals are important, folks, when you're entertaining. And uh, so I went up there for this speech, and I had you know some a stack of papers with me, and as I began to uh, to read, I took the I made a point to make a a very obvious gesture to pull out my reading glasses and put them on, and it got a nice little laugh because it's kind of crazy to see a 13 or 14 year old kid wearing those readers at that time, and it and it. Sent the impression that I was, you know, older and a little more sophisticated, even though I was some thirteen-year-old goofball. But I, it was a fun. I got a very good reaction, which was another, you know, kind of reinforcement, encouragement to say, well, you know, you're you're good in front of people. Maybe this is something that you should pursue. You always find those little, those little watershed moments in your life where you sort of go, hmm. Well, maybe that's something, huh? But um, yeah, so readers have now become ubiquitous. They're everywhere. And I see people with readers all the time. And of course, the joke has always been that, uh, you know, where are my readers? So people would, you know, these things were relatively cheap. And so people would buy five pairs, and because you'd either lose them or they'd break them, you'd sit, you know, there you wouldn't remember where you put them. So people would buy three, four, five pairs, and you know, women have them in their purse, and men would have them in their coats and in their glove compartments and different places around the house where you might be reading, and they still would get lost or get broken, but you didn't care because they were five or you know five bucks a piece. Who cares? Well, now the people in the readers' world were like, "Wait a minute, well." Rather than these little cheap things that um, that break or that don't look cool, let's make a whole line of cool-looking readers. Because once again, everybody needs to be cool these days, right? So readers have really become uh, a new, you know, product line within the the larger scope of the eyewear. Readers, they're they're I mean, I'm not plugging anything, I'm just letting you know in case you wanna check it out, because I have ordered from them and I've been happy with it. Uh there's actually a website called readers.com with a with a really uh impressive selection of stylish readers, not just these little half things that you would stick on the the tip of your nose, but uh you can wear them full on. They look stylish and nice and you could read with them. But they are just readers. They're not meant to be used as um, as glasses in your real world. They're just, you know, but they're, they're a certain level. Different, they have different levels. You know, there's one, what is it, 1.5 and 2.0 and all that. I don't even know what that means. But you go to the store and you see those and you decide to see which do, which do I need, right? And uh, so I, I I can pinpoint When my excellent vision was not so excellent anymore. And it was such a revelation to me. Because in my life, every time I opened my eyes, everything was clear. Every time I opened my eyes, everything was clear. I could see far distances. I. I prided myself on my eyesight, and real quick, a little joke, or a little something funny. I, I was talking. some I remember my my mom and dad before readers became that popular. They had these little cheap ones, and so as my mom and dad, uh, you know, grew older, they began to use these readers. And my mom would always break hers, and so <laughs> I don't know where she had it and why she had it. But <laughs> all of a sudden, one day I'm seeing my mom read the newspaper and she's got, she's got a, she's got a magnifying glass, a, a Sherlock Holmes, a round one with a little stick. You know, your, your, your typical magnifying glass. She was reading the newspaper with a magnifying glass. <laughs> I wish I had a picture of it. <laughs> but basically, that's what readers are, right? They're just more stylish magnifying glasses. But she actually looked like she was looking for clues. Like she was... (laughs) I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) But I can pinpoint. And my wife wears glasses. And she's worn glasses apparently since she was in grammar school. In first, second grade. And she's got, you know, really without her glasses or without contact, she really can't see. And I would always... Joke with her, and and she's like, "Well, I mean, she's if she didn't have her glasses on or didn't have her contacts, she said, I you know, I can't even see that.'" And I'm like, I'm like, "What does that even like? I, I can't fathom that. What does that mean when you open your eyes, everything isn't clear? I, I, I it, it wasn't in my, it wasn't in my experience. It wasn't in my reality. I, I, I never had that. Every time I looked at anything, it was clear, and it was five miles away, and it was, it was just." that was that was it. I couldn't understand what that meant that if you looked at something, you couldn't see it clearly, it that didn't register with me until until this one day, and i can I don't know the date of it, but I know the year, and I know exactly where I was. I've told you many times that my wife and I enjoy traveling around the world we've been to many places and this was 2006 and we were in Vienna Austria and uh, when once again on vacations I was the keeper and am although not so much now when you've got uh, the cell phone and everything it does with the GPS but this was back before it was GPS and, and so prevalent. I was the keeper of the map when we would go to different cities. And when we still go, although I don't know. I still, I still out, of, out of maybe nostalgia, I get a, a map and I still like looking at it. But we, you also have these apps where you can just say, I'm going here. And then it gives you the direction for walking as well as driving. What an, what, I was just going to say amazing. I stopped myself. Did you hear that? What a spectacular, how's that? What a spectacular technology that is. The GPS. Wow. I I don't know. I mean, I know it's done with satellites, but wow. Has that changed our life? Talk about technology that changes your life and you don't even realize anymore. You use it so frequently. It seems like it's always been around and you can't even imagine what it was, was like without it. But I still have my paper atlas for roads in my car. Yes, I do. I don't use it as much as I used to. I used to brag about it, and now yes, I do use a GPS app, I must admit. I told you earlier uh this year I I did break down and or even late last year and I did get finally a smartphone. So uh I'm still not fully embraced. It's not it's not Joined at the hip, but I do use it a lot more than I thought I would, and the g p s certainly is one app that I feel is is truly worth having a smartphone just for that alone. What a difference it has helped me when i've been trying to navigate around in places that i that I don't know and it's 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 just very, very convenient but um So I'm always the keeper of the map. And once again, I would pride myself as keeper of the map with the good eyesight. It's a nice combination. When you're keeper of the map and you have the good eyesight, you really are are valuable when you're walking around in a strange place because you can see two or three blocks ahead. So you're looking on your map, and you go, oh, we're going to have to take a right at the third street here. You know, It should be Abernathy Street, and uh, so we're going to take a left when we get to the third one. And, and as I would be walking these various streets and various cities around various countries or various uh, within this country, I would always be looking three or four blocks down, and I could see, so I knew where I was going. That's why we rarely got lost. I was my own GPS because of my good eyesight. We rarely got lost because I could say, no, well, wait a minute, no, no, we're going the wrong way here. No, I mean, because it, it, it said that, you know, the third street down is supposed to be, um, you know, Clinton Street, but the sign doesn't say that. So we we we, we didn't take a, we, we need to turn around. My eyesight, like George Costanza, I was spotting dimes and spotting raccoons. But uh, but one day we get to Vienna, Australia, beautiful city, one of my favorite cities. If you ever get a chance, go to Vienna; it's gorgeous. Now in Europe, many of the cities, especially these older cities, they they didn't have, they don't have, they still don't street signs on poles. They have the street signs, or the street sign on the side of buildings at most of the time, certainly, and the corners. And sometimes within, on buildings within the middle of the block, but certainly at a corner. That's where the street sign is. Not on a, on a designated, uh, pole for, just for a street sign. It was on the buildings. Which makes sense when you're thinking about it, especially these older European cities, five, 600 years old. They weren't building poles like that with street signs, so they put them right on the buildings at the corners. And so in many of those older European cities, that's still where they are. Not all of them, but many of them. And that's the way they were, at least in Vienna then. I don't know how it is now. I haven't been there for a while. And so uh, here I am, keeper of the map. We're off to the races. We're in Vienna. We're going to go down one of the Strats, (laughs) the Ringstratze, in Vienna. And um, so I've got the map. That's my job. I've got the list of where we're going and the map to accompany it. There's no lollygagging when I'm on a trip. (laughs) I think I've mentioned that to you before. (laughs) So I've got my map. I've got all my places I want to go. I've 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 looked in, in my Fodor's travel book, which I don't use as much anymore. Now I used to go to the library and take out a Fodor's travel book, and now it's the, the internet is so easy. I don't even do that anymore. Sometimes I do, but not as much as I used to. It's amazing how the internet has just replaced so many of the things we used to do, especially written paper. References, books, atlases, maps, gone. But there is still, I still, there's something to be said for him. I still will, every so often, you know, go to the library and take out a Fodor's travel book. But not as much as I used to, that's for sure. But I would. I would, you know, coordinate our day so make sure that all the things are in the same spot, you know. And then, so when we're walking around, we're in the same area. And it makes sense and everything. So we're walking in Vienna. Is that a song? And uh, walking down the one of the main strasses. And and I've got my map, and I've got okay. We're gonna we're gonna go to this street. You know, it's on this and this, and it's just down here. And as I'm walking without any, without any warning, and in my mind the day before this was not the situation, but on this day, first day in Vienna, 2006, walking down one of the main strassas, one of the main drags in Vienna, I've got my map. And I know what location we're going to. And I'm doing what I've been doing up to that point for, what, 42 years? I'm using my eyes. I'm just looking ahead. As usual. Eyes don't fail me now. Never have. Don't expect them to. Woke up the day before. Didn't notice anything, but as I'm walking and I'm looking at my map and I'm looking ahead a block or two to see where do we turn left here to get to wherever we were going, it looked fuzzy <laughs> it looked it looked fuzzy, and i i I didn't know what that was i I never Never experiencing that before. I'm looking and something isn't crystal clear. And I didn't even know what to do. I, I, I didn't say anything to my wife initially. And as we got closer then, I started to see the sign on the side of the wall and I could read it. But I certainly, when I was a certain distance away, certainly in the past, that would have been no problem. For me to see it, and now suddenly I couldn't see it. So I'm rubbing my eyes, and I'm saying, "Well, maybe it's early in the morning." You know, we we always get a, a an early start. So I'm just maybe I'm a little tired. Maybe my my eyes are. Cl- I don't know. And I'm rubbing my eyes to get this fuzziness out. I've never experienced this fuzziness before, and I and I didn't like it. But as I continue to walk. Down these streets, looking for street directions and street signs, throughout that day, it was the same thing. It was always fuzzy at a certain distance. And as I got closer, certainly it became more in focus. But there was a certain point suddenly where I couldn't see those signs, which in the past I had no problem seeing. Wow, was that a it was it was earth shattering because I, I I because I think, well maybe it's just maybe it's just this day, right? I wake up and my eyes are tired, whatever it is. So maybe it's just this day. And sure enough, woke up the next day with my map. With my list of where we're going. And ah, fuzzy. What the heck is going on? Now it wasn't so detrimental I could still see at a good distance but not as far as I used to see and i was having to come with the the reality of wow I, I my my eyesight and I for the first time in my life i empathized with my wife and i said so this is what you see is this is this fuzziness when you don't wear your glasses or your contacts is this what you've been talking about for so many years that I've never been able to relate to? Because, wow, this is really aggravating. I don't like this. And as the years have gone on, I've had to succumb to the readers. I made a joke about it when I was 13, giving the speech at the football banquet. And here I was, you know, 30 years later, wearing them still not in a now i've actually got several pairs i mean i need them now it's interesting how it, it it happens gradually and you suddenly go from never wearing glasses to sometimes wearing them and now if i'm in a if now if, if i'm in a restaurant i mean i need them to read the menu and i don't always need them to read but sometimes but 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 really I mean I can read enough sometimes without them. But certainly when I wear them, it's much clearer and it's it's more it's much more prefer- preferable. But sometimes I just don't have them with me. So now I have several pairs and I have them strategically placed around the house and one in the car because my wife has hers and you know my head's bigger than hers so she doesn't want me to use hers so I stretch them out, blah, blah, blah. So I bought some now. I have one pair in the car so if we're going out to eat and I'm going to need them, I grab them. I have them there with me because I'm not wearing a purse, right? <laughs> um, but uh, so I do have some readers, and that's why I went to this readers.com, and they're really nice glasses, and they're stylish. They're not just these little cheapy things. But wow, the prices of these have gone crazy. They used to be cheap things. You didn't mind you bought four or five pairs because now they broke or you lost them, whatever. But have you gone and bought readers in in a while? And I understand this is for a certain portion of people. But don't worry. If you don't use readers yet, you will. I, I guarantee you you may fight it, but you're going to use them. <laughs> See, it's the, 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 inevit- the inevitability of life. Nobody beats it. The old phrase we're, we, we are, we are getting older from the first day we're born, <laughs> right? <laughs> kind of depressing, but true. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, wow, these readers, so now you can't really get five pairs. You got to sort of be a little more judicious and you got to make sure that you take care of them. And I've got cases for, I've only got two pairs now, one at home and one in the car. I don't have the five pairs because my gosh, they'd be, you know, they're 20 bucks a piece, if not more for readers. I mean, I use them, but I don't know if I'm using them that much, but my gosh, when you don't have them, do you want them? So maybe they are valuable. I don't know. But readers have certainly jumped in price, and in style, but certainly in price. So as the years have gone on, my, my vision has declined, and, I, and to a noticeable point, to the point now where I never even had a real regular eye doctor. And now I do, for the last five or six years, now I do, even more than that probably, Certainly not. It's probably about, about 10 years, really. I actually broke down and said, I have to go see an eye doctor. Never had an eye doctor. I, I had eye tests, but never really went to a real eye doctor because never needed one. That's what I'm saying about my vision. It was, it was 20 amazing. Oh, there's that word. It was 20 spectacular. Is no, spectacular going to be the new word? I don't know. But my eyesight was top notch. Let's say that. Never even had an eye doctor for the majority of my life. Now have an eye doctor. I even have a retinal specialist. Huh. But uh, so what a uh, what a what a change to get used to. Well, as the years have gone on, especially the last couple of years, uh, my eye doctor was you know doing an eye exam. He said, you know, you're getting cataracts, and I, I and I did get. I actually did get. A prescription for glasses to see distance. It wasn't a strong. He's like, well, you know, it's, it, 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 going to do all those little click clicks. We you know, is this, is this clear? Is this clear? What's better? This one or this one? You ever get one of those eye tests? Every time I got the glasses, they really, they helped a little, but they, I was still, as time was going on, I was, I was, especially the street signs, they were getting blurrier and blurrier. Not, crazy at one time, just very gradual. And so I asked the doctor, you know, when you hear this cataract, you always, you always hear that word, and it's always associated with, uh, with older people, right? Oh, they had cataract surgery. So I'm like, wow, I'm, I, mean, you know, I understand my eyesight. I, I would seem, I, 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 most people that I hear get cataract surgery are in their 60s or 70s or older. My dad had cataract surgery when he was like 73 or 74, my mom never did. My mom used cheaters, but her her eyesight was pretty good. Although I don't know if she may have needed them and never told anybody, she was one of those people. But uh, but I could tell that my vision was getting worse, and it wasn't so bad at night because that's always the um, one of the signs too that you need cataract surgery is when the lights when you're driving start to really glare, and I was okay. It's never in danger, but I did notice. So my, I said to the doctor, well, what do we do? And he's like, well, you'll need to tell me. You know, I'll be taking tests, but you need to tell me when it, you don't feel comfortable or you don't feel safe because your vision is impaired because of these cataracts. And I was going along and saying, well, it's not too bad, and I wear these glasses. But I noticed in the last six months that things were getting a lot more fuzzy and i was beginning to get some of those halo effects when i was driving at night i have to really concentrate and i could get rid of that but the street signs, things wow i mean i was getting to the point where i couldn't see the street signs from very far away to until i was almost on them many times i i, I would i would miss my turn because I, I I think there's a I mean I know I don't know what this next street is, and and I would be in the right up to it, and then I'd say, "Oh, there it is, but I couldn't stop now." So I said, "You know what? it's time." I told the eye doctor, it's time for the cataracts. I might be younger than usual, but I don't care i I, I don't like I didn't like seeing fuzzy back in Vienna in my early 40s, and I certainly don't like seeing now. This, uh, this entire fuzziness happening on a daily basis. I was getting used to it. Another, another thing was where I was, I was getting impaired or or was, was when I was looking at the program guide on a television. I couldn't read the program guide unless I squinted, unless I blocked out the light. I'd actually make a little circle with my, with my hand like a little telescope and look through it with my with with one of my eyes that's how crazy it got so I'm like okay it's time and I've always heard people that have gotten cataract surgery they always talk about oh my gosh once I got this I couldn't believe how clear I was seeing you always hear this from people with cataracts you know, after they had the surgery, they that suddenly the world was was clear again. There was light in the world. Wow. And I always felt that was a little over-exaggerated. So uh, about three weeks ago, I planned the cataract surgery. And there's a whole regimen you've got to, uh, you know, start the day before with these drops and then, uh, you know, it's it only the, the whole procedure takes like ten minutes. It's very very short, and there could be complications in anything, right? I mean, with any kind of surgery. Even, this is surgery, but for the most part, I mean, the cataract surgery seems to have been, um, you know, not perfected. Nothing's perfected, but it certainly has uh, has enhanced over the years. Use of lasers and different techniques. So it's certainly not as traumatic. And difficult, and time-consuming during the during the procedure, and even your recovery. Now, I understand a lot of sometimes people have, you know, different problems. I've heard people that have had problems with cataract surgery, but what are you going to do? You got to put your trust in the professionals. That's what we do. So, I go for the and and I've been you know I've been living I would say the last two or three years. With certainly a fuzzy outlook in many ways <laughs> but certainly with my eyes <laughs> as well, um, and so I'm you know a little nervous, obviously, and they they put you in a twilight, they don't knock you out totally and i i, I you know it's interesting about whatever kind of sedation they give you. I remember being very present during the cataract. Procedure. I remember being awake and even talking to the doctor, and I seeing the different, uh, you know, things going on and lights and and visions and and what was going on. I have no idea, but I I can remember it and being very present in it. But yet, when I came home a couple hours later. Then my wife asked me about it. I didn't really have a lot of memories of it. It was, it was a strange. I never had that kind of sensation where I had a memory of it when it happened. But then a couple of hours later, I couldn't really detail the entire um, experience and procedure that I was felt that I was very present for. It was very interesting. But I remember seeing different colors and different shapes. Um, but I also remember being just kind of out of it. Not completely gone, but out of it enough. And they give you all these numbing drops, and you take some at home, and then you get there, and they have numbing drops in your eyes. And I've told you before on the podcast here, uh, I've, I've got a, an eye issue in my right eye, of which, uh, which is the first eye I had the cataract surgery on. And uh, so I, I have something called a venal occlusion. And so to treat this, I for the last seven years, I've had to get an injection every 10 weeks or so in my eye yeah I know it, it sounds it, it believe me it sounds worse than it is although it's it's not it doesn't hurt but it's still an, a weird thing everything around your eye but I'm used to it it takes three seconds sadly I am used to getting an injection in my eye that's my reality so around the eye, I've, I've, I'm, you know, I would have been much more sensitive, I think, to this entire procedure because we're always a little freaky about our eyes and touching our eyes because we see everything and everything. But I've been somewhat conditioned because of uh, this eye condition I have and getting an injection in it. I, I'm, I'm still not used to it, but I'm reconciled to it, and I, and I at least can deal with it. It's, I'm not, I don't freak out about it. So I was, that's why I, was, I wasn't too concerned about the overall surgery because I, I, you know, now since I've had this for the last seven years, uh, I just felt, well, this, this is another eye thing. And I've been able to handle the injection, so this I should have no problems with. And thankfully, I know some people have had some horror stories with cataract surgery, but uh, I'm happy to say that mine went smoothly. No bad reactions, no tough recovery, no pain. But what I have to say is, OMG. Oh my God. Just like those people that I've always heard after they have cataract surgery, I understood. Wow. I had no idea the fog that I had, I, I apparently had gotten used to, that I was seeing the world through. I knew that my vision wasn't sharp as it was, and I was making concessions for it and dealing with it with street signs and things like that, and program guides. For the most part, I thought I still had relatively clear vision, aside from these distances. Enough that at that point, I could, I could function. And I wasn't feeling like I was missing anything. But I certainly could see that there was halos on things and fuzziness going on. Oh, my gosh. I don't know now. I don't know how long I've been looking through life through a dirty lens, which is basically what a cataract is. It's like a dirty lens, and that's why they 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 clean. They they take your lens out and put a new one in. It's as if you had a very dirty white, a very dirty window, and you're looking through this dirty window, and you can see stuff out there, but it's not as sharp and clear as it should be until you get the Windex out and you and you shine and you clean the window, and then you look right through and you go, "Wow, oh look at that!" Well, that's what this was. Oh my gosh, this was. I never. I was expecting. A, an improvement in my eyesight. But I wasn't expecting this. Everything was brighter, and it wasn't just because my eye was dilated. Everything now in my right eye, if I covered my right eye and looked with my left eye, and and, and I'm getting cataract surgery for my left one in a week or so, when I cover my right eye, which now has the cataract removed, there everything looks fuzzy and almost with a yellow film over stuff because I look at it with my right eye and everything is brighter. Whites are brighter. Blacks are, uh, blues, greens, the detail. I looked in the mirror and I got afraid. Ah, who's that guy? I was seeing myself. I mean, it was, It was. I, I, I don't know if it's good or bad to be honest with you, because I was like, whoa, is that what I look like? You know, the actress Doris Day had a lot of freckles, very pretty woman, but she had a lot of freckles, and, and if you ever look at a Doris Day movie, you'll notice that there's this kind of softness around her. She had so many freckles that they had to use a, 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 a screen, a filter over the camera lens to block out all her freckles. So when you watch a, a, a Doris Day movie, you'll notice that she's almost glistening. She looks so smooth. You can see the difference between the camera of when it's on one of her co-stars, like, say, Rock Hudson in Pillow Talk or Lover Come Back or one of those. And then when it goes to her, she, it, it, she just visi- visibly looks different. She almost looks like she's shining because they used to put this filter on the, the camera. And 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 so she, everything was a, w- around her was a little like, little fuzzier. And then you go back to her co-star, and it was the way it was. Well, that's the way I felt. Like I had been looking at myself, like Doris Day, like all the imperfections were were kind of filtered out by my cataracts. And I have to say, I'm watching now. I'm looking at people on television. And my first line is, wow, well, that person isn't benefiting from my cataract surgery. Because, wow, I didn't know that that person looked like that. I'm looking at everything now in a whole new way, in a clear way, in a sharp way. It reminds me of the way I used to see the world. I had no idea because this, takes, this t- has been taking place so gradually over the last 10 or 15 years that you get used to it and you just uh, you acclimate yourself. But my gosh, when you clean that lens, when you when you get the Windex out, when you replace that lens, or when you clean that lens, you look out through that window with a, after your cataract is gone, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get my left eye done. I think I'm going to have x-ray vision. If I'm looking, if I'm seeing life this clear now with just one eye, oh my gosh, what's going to happen when I get the second one done? I'm going to see through things. I won't need a telescope. I'll be looking up at the stars and saying, oh, there's Saturn and there's Pluto. And there's the rings around Saturn. I really believe that. I'm going to be like Superman. I'm going to see through things. Because I already feel like I've got X-ray vision. I only have one eye done. Unbelievable. Modern medicine. This is crazy. But I am so thankful for it. I can't wait to get my second eye done, and I can't wait to see just how my eye size is going to improve. My right eye has been, in in you know, in um, eye terms, like twenty thirty, sometimes even twenty forty. Now it's twenty twenty, so all these glasses that I've been wearing with these with this low prescription, they weren't really doing anything because they weren't helping. It was the cataract. And the way I've the way that I've been described, the way the catar what a cataract is basically, as I said before, it's a it's kind of it's 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 a dirtying of your lens, and that's why they take your lens out, they put a new one in. But apparently, there are several layers. Oh, the human body is amazing, isn't it? the 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 lens in your eye has several layers, and so there's one layer that this cataract condition effects and it it dirties the lens up As i said before about it looking like everything was has a yellow film and it's very uh you know it's very blurry and fuzzy well that's i mean that's i that's what happened My, my my the the lens was was dirty and you know the lens is so fragile that they can't just pull out this one layer of your lens they have to take the whole lens out So that's why you you have to take the lens out. A cataract is a condition that affects your lens, but your lens is so fragile that they can't just remove one of these layers where the cataract has, um, you know, dirtied up your lens. They have to take the whole lens out. But 10 or 15 minutes actual procedure, couple hours overall, came home, been using drops, but literally, from the minute I got out, and when I came home, and I was looking around, I was shocked at how everything was brighter. First, I thought it was just that my eye was dilated. But then the dilation went down, and I was seeing things. And now, it's so funny. I, I'm, I'm seeing the st- street signs. Are, I, I can see street signs from far away with just one eye. Like I said, that's why when I get the other one done, oh, my gosh. I, I'm I'm going to be uh, you know I'm going to be on, on a Marvel movie. I don't know what my name is going to be, I'm like a superhero. But I'm seeing um, street signs from two or three blocks down, just like the old pre-Vienna, if you will. <laughs> so I can only imagine when I get the other one done and every and my brain uh, organizes all this, it's going to be like I used to see before, to the point where I might get the maps now when we when we travel and i might be the map guy again but oh my gosh is it is it it's amazing i'm seeing detail that's the thing i'm seeing detail on things that i never saw i wasn't blind i could see everything i thought relatively clear but now i'm seeing greater detail that i i couldn't see before i'm reading small print I'm able to read the program guide on the TV without squinting, without covering an eye, without making my little telescope to let out the light, you know, to keep the light out. I'm seeing street signs. So I am a huge, huge advocate for cataract surgery. If you have it or if you've been told you're getting them, I, 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 would, I would strongly urge you, To get the surgery done, if you can, because it will change your life. It really is. My wife goes, "No, now you're just bragging." I couldn't read those little crawls anymore. You know, on on the TV when they, you know the uh, you know a news alert or a weather alert, I couldn't read those. It was nothing. I I couldn't read the program guides. I couldn't read many times when um, when there were uh, you know subtitles on on a TV show. Couldn't do it. Had to put pause and my wife had to read it. Now, she's like, well, now you're just showing off. I said, no, I'm not showing off. I'm just just seeing again. I didn't realize how much my vision was impaired until I got it corrected. So, let me just say, I am pro-cataract surgery. It has given me a whole new lease on life and a whole new view of life. I have literally And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic Every Monday a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com Or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast We are there Don't forget Tell your friends, tell your family Tell anybody you know who listens to a podcast That your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic And it should be theirs too Your loyalty and devotion is much appreciated Hope you enjoyed episode number 310. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. From the end of the web to your screen.